Hello and welcome to another exciting edition of the Brattlecast with the owner and operator of the Brattle Bookshop in Boston, which is a legendary spot. Might as well be on the Freedom Trail, although it's not, right? Officially. It's not officially, but actually we're going to be talking about my uh, lectures and promos. I will give a plug. We'll do that in the talk. Okay. There's a new place where they promote us. They should be promoting you on the Freedom Trail. For those who don't know, the Freedom Trail is a staple when you come to Boston, all the historic sites. You can literally walk the trail. But just take a few steps off the trail on one of the side streets, West Street, and you'll come to the beautiful Brattle Bookshop, which is amazing. We're less than 100 yards from the start of it. (laughs) There you go. Well, you're going to New York, uh, as we record this in a month or two, at the Grolier Club. What is the Grolier Club? Grolier Club is a very prominent book-collecting club in New York. It's been around for well over 100 years. I'm actually speaking there October 5th at 6 o'clock. And I do a lot of lectures, and I get out to libraries, historical societies, museums. But I've decided that I can expand it a little, Mm -hmm. Uh, get to New York, or actually I'm doing some for online but for national groups. And it's a way of just keeping the store out there. One of the things that I definitely feel is the store, my father built it up. I've been doing it now since college, full-time for 50 years, probably since I was born, actually. But it's well-known. Everybody says, oh, we all know the Brattle Bookshop. The thing is, I don't have any confidence that if you don't keep promoting and don't keep out there, and it's one of the reasons I do the podcast. It's one of the reasons I do the talks. And there are so many businesses that I've seen over the years that are incredibly well-known. But new people come to the city, new people come in, and unless you're constantly out there, Well, they, they you know. are the voice and the face of it, and you've got a great staff as well. But you have done what your dad did. You became a personality. You are a personality in this town. You and I have done so many live radio shows on the biggest station in Boston, and people know you. And you, you sort of have to keep at it organically to reach people, and that makes a difference. Well, it, absolutely. And I, like I say, I've seen so many businesses that are well-known. They go out of business or they stop a little a year or two down the line. You go, who? What? <laughs> yes. I mean, new students are moving in all the time. Sure. Uh, a lot of our business since the pandemic has been tourists, and the average age is 30 to 40 years younger than They were. The one thing I'll mention that did come out, and I will promote this, and if you're in Boston, you're a citizen, or you're a tourist, the Prudential opened their new viewing deck. Oh, yes. And and it's fabulous. I went Saturday. uh, But the reason I went wasn't just to see the view. It's when when you walk in on the first floor, there's a little video of different sites. Our outside stands are one of the sites. You get up to the upper floors, and in there they have a, uh, a round sound place. We're in that, and then we're featured in some of the places to book, go and visit. And this is something that the Prudential, when they put this together, they just asked us, do you mind if we come and film? We didn't well, reach to them. They recognized the... Uh importance of the store in the Boston chain of history and all the things that happen culturally. It, it, one of the things that's really cool about what we do here is talk about all the things going on in the store. 
But um, it's a bookstore in an age of digital everything. It's so nice to know that some things remain intact. Oh, absolutely. And then the fact that we have outside books, except when it's raining or snowing, really is photographic. So people love that. Uh, Another thing that I'm sure I'll do a podcast on, there's an upcoming movie uh, called The The Holdovers that's going to open in October with Paul Paul Giamatti. We talked about Paul Giamatti coming into the store, right? Right. But he was there because they filmed a scene at the store. I saw a preview for the film. It really looks great. It really looks like a lot of fun. The the only problem with the preview is they didn't show the scene at the store. Well, I I forgive him. (laughs) Let's do lunch in Hollywood with some of those folks and fix it. So you're going to the Grolier Club, which is a prestigious uh, place to be. And uh, what what's your theme? Do you have one? Well, well, what the theme is, and they wrote it up so well that I read it and I go, boy, I'd like to go to that <laughs> lecture. Uh, but it's it basically Ken Gloss, appraiser, decades long, and they improbable finds and stories about having coffee out of Thomas Jefferson's coffee service, uh, having T.S. Eliot's copy of The Great Gatsby, uh, a, a copy of Isaac Newton's Principia Mathematica that he wrote marginal notes in. Mm. Uh, but then just the stories and the finds, um, the manuscript one time for On the Road, uh, and so many things. And I'll get to talk to them, talk to the people in New York about it, but it's such a national organization that, again, the reason I do this is, okay, we're well-known in Boston. Why not reach out to New York? And I get a trip in the meantime. The other thing, too, is, and you know this better than anyone can, there's a, a tight-knit community of readers and lovers of books, you know, bibliophiles. There really is. And like any other tight-knit community, they they connect with each other and other parts of the world and other parts of this in fact, we're, we're going to be talking about the upcoming Antiquarian Book Fair coming at, to Boston, and people from all over the world come in for that. Absolutely, yeah. and, and that's going to be the end of October in Boston. I'll do another podcast yeah. about that. But one of the things, again, when I do the talks, one of the things I very much realized in talks, in the podcast, in everything, is – I don't try to teach people about books. I don't try to teach people about book collecting. I try to entertain them and try to convince people that old books, old items, autographs, manuscripts, talking about it is fun and entertaining. If people want specifics and details and all of that, they can always get in touch with me either through email, phone calls, coming into the store. But the main thing is books are fun. And so when I do lectures... I do them, like I say, at local libraries, historical societies. I don't try to do anything but, hey, this is a lot of fun. And I have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of stories about people who have come in, books we've had, uh, employees who have gone on with things, interesting characters who have shown up. And, and I'm always interested in doing more. I do two talks a month. If people are listening and go, gee, this would be fun, call me up, email me. Maybe we'll do one at your uh, organization lecture. And in your phone, everyone has their phone with them. Your phone is special because you've got the topics for stories. What, What people ask me sometimes what I collect. 
and I really don't collect books. Uh, the, when I grew up, my father used to bring home five or ten books a day. Do that for 30 or 40 years. Our house was just piled and heaped. I read a lot, but I read the book. I bring it back to the store. I sell it. I get another book. And I think a lot of my collecting is every day I'm going out to houses and estates. Today I bought about 500 books on New Hampshire and New England. Uh, yesterday uh, we were at a minister's library and bought about 4,000 books. Mm. So I get my collecting in, but then they go out, then something else comes in. But what I do is if something interesting happens in any one of these days, scenes, whatever, I write down a word, I write down a phrase. Sometimes it's as long as a sentence. But every one of those, if I look at it and I scroll down through hundreds of them, I could go on for half an hour with a story. <laughs> yes. And matter of fact, the way I could sometimes do lectures, I've never actually done this, but I could print them out, put them on a wall, take a dot, and throw it, and say, okay, there's five topics, that's going to be the lecture. Might be a new game show, you know? Let's uh, uh, pick a topic and Ken can, <laughs> can talk about it and regale you. Well, one of the great things about books and book collecting, and one of the great things that reason stories, every book that was ever written, ever done, some are obviously much better than others, was done because somebody thought it was interesting. Mm -hmm. Somebody thought that somebody would be interested, whether it's a very technical, mathematical formula, or it's a biography or a novel or some subject that you can't imagine that even existed. Somebody was interested. So you can almost pick up any book, anytime, anywhere, and start talking about it. And if the people who are different interested in that subject are enough of a character, even if the person you're listening to or listening to what you're talking about, you can make that interesting. They might say, well, I don't care about that, but boy, if books are like that, maybe I'm interested in this. I mean, who would think that going to a house sometimes can be an animal nature thing? I was at an estate and this was just in the suburbs of Boston, but it was a wooded suburb. I was there around noon, lunchtime, and the back door bell starts ringing and ringing. And the lady goes, oh, wait a minute. Um, well, she says, I know what this is. Her mother, who had passed on, who had the house, I went and looked at the back door. There were raccoons ringing the doorbell. Lining up. Lining up. I guess at lunchtime, they <laughs> ring oh the bell, God. and her mother used to feed them. Characters. Uh, Characters. You can't make them up. You can't make that up, but no matter what books I got from this lady, I got a great story about it. And that's what happens with so many people that you go out, you meet a bunch of different people, they're interested in books. They have stories. There are things that go on. And that's what my lectures are. Now, would you be able to pattern a lecture if someone said, Ken, uh, would you be able to talk about revolutionary period books or Civil War material or maps? Uh, you can do just about anything. I can people, do almost You take any, requests. And I, I, I can do almost any subject. And what I do in a talk is I just start and go – but I always have a question and answer about a third of the time. Mm -hmm. And almost no matter what anybody asks me, I can go off on a tangent anyways. But uh, it, so I do the question and answer specifically so that if someone wants me to go off on this subject or that subject 
whatever. And even if they say talk about the Civil War, I can make that a whole talk about baseball. I was just going, <laughs> in my head, I saw Abner Doubleday. In my head, I knew you. I know how you think, of course. Well, just for instance, I one time had a diary of a man in the Civil War. It was a standard diary, cold, hot, mud, whatever. He was behind the lines for two days, had a game of baseball. In the game of baseball, he got hit by a ball, run down on the bases, and jammed his leg sliding in. And then said, I've had more injuries in this game of baseball than I've had two years of battle in the Civil War. (laughs) But what it also did was it took that Civil War diary from being worth a few hundred dollars to well into the tens of thousands of dollars because baseball collectors just went crazy over it. That's another thing, too, that you can do that very few people can. You can uh, initiate an idea of cost and worth based on the market based on what people are collecting. So that's always fascinating to people. let me say one thing about my lectures. Uh, We post them on my website under events, so where I'm speaking and what's Mm -hmm. coming up. But I really want to emphasize that if somebody out there listening to the podcast says, gee, he'd be a great lecturer for our group, uh, get in touch. I'm not shy. I'm happy to talk about books. We've done almost 200 episodes. You're not shy. No way. And I know you do a great job when you're out there. So people can contact you through the website, uh, brattlebookshop.com. And find out where I'm speaking. Some of them are online, virtual. Some are hybrid. Some are in person. And I'm always looking for interesting places that I can go to give talks. You will take New York by storm. Of course, you are a Red Sox fan, so just keep that under your hat. I'll go to a Mets game. (laughs) Okay. He's Ken Gloss. I'm Jordan Rich, and you've been listening to another entertaining version of The Brattlecast. Brattlecast.